This podcast and every podcast is brought to you by Claypot. Claypot is a Cantonese-style restaurant located at 58 St. Mark's Place. It is now currently on Grubhub and Seamless. Go check that bitch out for some really good, surprise, surprise, Claypot cooking. You can get your fair share of pork belly and eel and, and I mean, there, there's also, app, like, appetite. Like, it's amazing time. Great time. And if you are one of those people who doesn't eat anything with a face, like a vegan or vegetarian, that's cool too. They also have an uh, option of veggies. So have at it. This podcast is actually with a very good, very good close friend of mine who I met in physics, actually. And for whatever reason, I just started talking to her and she just started talking back at me and everyone thought we were like best friends forever and we're like, nah. Uh, I just met this kid now, so <laughs> I mean, great conversation. But uh, we're also actually joined by my roommate Josh, and the three of us kind of discuss the difference between objective truth and subjective truth, as well as like just practices of mindfulness. We talk about meditation, we talk about some neuroscience, and it's a really interesting collaboration between, I guess, Josh, who comes obviously from like a theater background, and. Uh, Gianna, who comes from a neuroscience background. And I love that. I love that we can have a conversation about some deep metaphysical kind of underlying thing that spans across all different kinds of fields. So this one's kind of heavy. This one's kind of a doozy, but definitely one of my favorite conversations. And I hope you definitely get some utility out of this. feel good about themselves because I've experienced that and I think going through life without insecurities or with minimal insecurities and feeling good about yourself and understanding yourself is the most important thing because it helps you with everything else so like I think I'm most passionate about helping people realize their full potential and not feeling bad about themselves because that affects each decision that they make and each perception that they have about other people so okay well that's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) i love it self-empowerment yeah right definitely that's fantastic that's awesome so that's what i want to do with my life but i don't know where to start that's why i literally have like five jobs right now because i'm trying (laughs) to figure out what i want to do with my life (laughs) yeah and how to start well, no, I definitely, I get that, because it's like, you know what you abstractly want to do, but it's really difficult to find out if the, like, like you just said, you have five jobs, so it's like, it's difficult to find the right medium where you feel like, yeah, this is like the most optimal way that I can affect the most change. Yeah. Right? And that's, I think that's why, like, it's pretty frequent for people our age to, like, switch jobs a lot, because we're trying to figure that out. And that's, um, I personally thought that that was a huge disservice, that, like, a lot of jobs exist out there that we don't even know they exist. 
you know, and it's kind of just like, oh, what school are you in? Oh, I'm in the science school, and then I'm going to do science things for the rest of my life. But, like, you don't know that, oh, I studied it in physics, I can become a patent lawyer. Like, right. it's, yeah, so I definitely feel... Yeah, and I think that um, studying neuroscience, I can see this, right? Casual drop, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> studying neuroscience, um, they didn't really prepare me for the opportunities that I could have. All they really talked about was, like, research and academia. And that's yeah. all you can get into with yeah. your degree, basically. I felt that, yeah. I felt it very strongly. It was either, are you pre-med? No. Are you going to do research? Right. and I wasn't no. pre-med. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I wanted to do research, but I couldn't find... Like, I didn't know what I wanted to, to, to do research on. Like, neuroscience is a very general term. Like, you can go into yeah. something super, super specific... Um, with that but it's just like all I knew about was research and I didn't even think that that wasn't a specific term like research is super general like you can literally do anything yeah. with that but they made it seem like such a small world and it like confused me so I like didn't know where to go Yeah. and so I kind of just took the first job that I that I got but do you have like do you know if you still want to stay within the realm of like neuroscience at all or um, I'm, like, really interested in meditation and its effects on the brain, so, um, or, like, pretty much any alternative type of medicine, like, holistic, and its effects on the body and mind and brain and things like that. So I want to stay within science, but also kind of connect the alternative world with the medical, Western medical world. Yeah. Yes. Um, and kind of show people the potential of the self. Okay, so then do you think, okay, this is going to be really abstract, <laughs> but do you think that, like, alternative medicine is only useful if it's, like, nested in science? Or do you think there's also, what like... What do you mean by nested in science? Like, it can be proven, like, 100% of the time to... Too. Like, like, watching this movie will help your soul. Is well, not necessarily that. It cannot be proved by science, right? It's it's difficult because sometimes, like, there's placebo effect, right? Which is, like, a real phenomenon. It's, like, 67. That could be the strongest yeah, medicine, so, yeah. But, like, there's no science-based fact why that works. Basically, the medicine of the mind. Like, that's your mind. Yeah, okay, that? so... See, that's why I did neuroscience for. <laughs> I'll tell your story. I, during my first internship, um, I studied... Um, memory circuits in the brain in New York, which was like really cool stuff. Um, but I I read a book because one of like my mentor there was like read this book. It's awesome. It's really cool. It was called Phantoms of the Brain. And do you know who it was by? Yeah, it was by uh, Doctor Ramachandran. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so there's this book, and it basically goes through different case studies um, of this doctor, and he would. Uh, treat patients who had mysterious illnesses or, you know, things of, of their brain. I, I don't know how to explain mm-hmm. it, but um, he, there's a couple chapters on, like, phantom limb syndrome and um, phantom oh. pregnancy. I don't know if you've heard about that. Do you know what that? No, phantom pregnancy. So is that when someone gets pregnant without having... Kind of. So basically it's when a woman believes that she's pregnant... But, and she gets all of, like, the signs of pregnancy, the hor- hormonal pregnancy. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm sorry. The hormones that are released during pregnancy would be released in her body during that time. Like, she would start producing milk. 
Uh, her stomach would get big. Oh, wow. Whoa. Um, and, but there would be no baby inside of her. She wouldn't be pregnant. That's crazy. And it would be all because... It, it could be for a number of different reasons, but mainly it was because a woman really wanted to become pregnant. And like she set her mind to that, and she was like, I'm going to become pregnant. This is going to happen for me. And basically, it was the power of her mind that did all of that. And if, like, the mind can be that powerful to make somebody believe that they're pregnant and release those hormones and, like, have all of the signs of pregnancy except that there's nothing growing inside of you, if, if your mind can be that powerful, imagine if you can have control over that and just, like, have that power over your body. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Connection to the body, <laughs> connection to, well, it's the mind. I feel like that's the mind, body, spirit thing that that is like I so core to the fundamental of human existence that a lot of the time in this digital age we have the danger of moving away from mm-hmm. like truly becoming you know a visual informational processing <laughs> yeah so that's how I got into meditation um, because I realized that like we all have that potential like, we all have a mind. That's that's what makes us human. You know, we all have this consciousness. Um, it's just, we have to unlock that potential. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be there. So, like, you have to find a way to, to, to get to it, basically. And with all these distractions, like technology, um, or, you know, anything else that's distracting you <laughs> in your life, mm-hmm. um, you can't really put the time in to become aware of that and so you can't fully like unlock that potential but i think anyone can right Right. i think the difference is i think we all have that yes exactly yeah Uh, that's what yeah um and i i think of it and i I guess it is really each person's journey is different to how they get to that but my my relation to my i guess physical being and and I'm obviously not a being at full potential because then I'd probably have a third eye and I'd be meditating and floating <laughs> um, but I think I think my relation to that is really in the um, noticing it's not about like um, not about necessarily chipping away at it but it's it's in a, it's a it's a practice of awareness of just like reminding myself that I have you know a body and I have breath. sure and the, I think those are the like, connection to that is really important yeah I think those are the steps that are necessary to take to get there yeah yeah it's like it's all about awareness it's mm-hmm. practicing awareness practicing reconnecting to the self sure yeah have you ever heard of, uh, ever heard of Reiki mm-hmm. yeah um, my cousin it's amazing does that yeah yeah I've never had it done but I've heard about it I actually really want to try acupuncture. Yeah? I know it's not like very, it's not like a spiritual thing. No, it's not too big of a deal. Becoming aware (laughs) of it, but um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems really cool. Yeah, it does. I feel like you can just get into like a really deep, relaxed response and I don't know. Yeah. But okay, so you've done float therapy or like float tanks, right? Yes. Yeah. I work at a float center. It's one of my jobs. Because <laughs> um, I've yet to try it. 
And I really want to. I know, I've been telling you to come. <sighs> but, like, what is it like? It is... I don't want to, like, give away too much because when I first started, I did a ton of research on it, and I had all these expectations, and then I got into a float tank, and I didn't have this, like, profound experience that people talk about. Because I was thinking way too much about it. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to happen. It's going to be awesome. And I, like, couldn't calm my mind down. And once I was starting to get a little relaxed, I would get too excited because I was like, it's happening. Like, it's, it, I'm getting into that float state. It's, yeah. It's going to be awesome. Um, so for, like, my first couple floats, it didn't really um, do anything for me. But I'll explain, like, the process of it. So basically, a float tank is... People call it, like, sensory deprivation, but my coworker was like, I don't like to say that because people get kind of freaked out by that phrase, sensory deprivation. People think it's, like, a scary thing. Really? Because that's, like, what attracted me. I was like, that sounds dope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some people get scared by it. They're like, oh, my God, you're going to... Take my senses away. Yeah, so so my coworker kind of termed it as sensory uh, relief. Sensory relief, not sensory deprivation. So, basically, you go into this tank and... Some have lights inside and some don't. And you can turn the lights off on the ones that do have lights. And it's basically filled with 11 inches of water um, that have 1,000 pounds of Epsom salt in the water. So you're automatically, you automatically float when you lie down. Mm. So it's not like the ocean. Because like, like, I can't float in the ocean for some reason. I just have, <laughs> I just have like, such difficulty floating in like pools. or the, I don't know why. But you should go to the Dead Sea. I've heard. Yeah. I've heard. So I think that this, that float tanks are kind of similar to that. So like you yeah. automatically float, you're super buoyant, um, you're in this dark tank, the water temperature matches your skin temperature so you don't feel it. Um, you can't see anything, you can't smell anything, you can't feel anything, you're completely deprived of your senses. Um, relieved. <laughs> relieved of your senses <laughs> for a time being. Um, and basically what's supposed to happen is after about like 25 30 minutes your brain starts to settle into the tank and you get or you can get what's called a float state which is basically your brain going into this relaxed response so instead of being in this fight or flight mode that we're in pretty much all day long in today's society you take the time to calm your brain down and like give it the opportunity to become aware of yourself or aware of your surroundings and because there's nothing there it's like it's like kind of difficult to become aware of yourself because you can't even feel anything right so yeah that's like that's like the whole you know experience of it but essentially when you're in that float state it's kind of like being in like a really light sleep but being fully aware of it mm-hmm. that's how I would describe it I think and there's research that's being done on it And they've been saying that a few times in a float tank can be similar to years of meditation because your brain, in a float state, your brain releases theta waves or it can release theta waves, which are seen in like long-term meditators when they're in that that meditative state. So you release those same like brain waves. That's really interesting. It sounds like what you were saying before about taking away uh, distraction. Yeah, because yeah. It, it forces a taking away of distraction out. So not only, like, it's not a, not really, it takes, I don't know, 
it's interesting because it takes the um, discipline element out of it, which is, I wonder what that effect is. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it, it's almost made me like more lazy like, to meditate. It's almost like commodifying it. <laughs> yeah, because you don't have to do anything in there. You don't yeah. have to think about anything. It's not... Whereas meditation wow. is like you're actually focusing on something, you're paying attention to something, and it's difficult. And there's a learning curve, too. Yeah, but with... And I would say, like, being in a float tank a couple times, it's going to be a different experience, and you're going to sure. you're gonna get into that float state faster every time you go into a tank. Yeah, that makes sense. So there is, like, a, a type of learning curve, I want to say, but <laughs> not maybe not the same as a meditation learning curve, but, um, but yeah. You got. I, it sounds like both of you think it's like kind of cheating. Cheating. Yeah, like it does circumvent a certain process. I'm not saying it's it's cheating. I think that I think getting to a point of self awareness and connection to the body is really important, and a lot of people don't have that. And I think it this gets people to a point where they can reconnect with themselves and like examine their own. You know, acknowledge the the. the their own consciousness in a way. Um, I think that's amazing. Wait, you think floating is cheating? Like, um, no, it's just cheating that, it sounds like, like you guys cheating like... into getting into that uh, self-awareness yeah. easy, easily. Um, I don't think it would be cheating. Some people can't meditate. They just, they can't sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to sit here for 10 minutes and meditate. Like people who get bored, they don't want to meditate. I don't, that's not but, saying people don't have... They can't. Like, they physically can't. But I think that's the process of meditation. Yeah. Oh, it Being is. Being bored is is where creativity comes I from. definitely agree with that. But but some people just don't want to sit down and do it. Yes. Yeah. And so floating can be a way to get there. Some people suck. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I just... I don't like... Don't put words in my mouth. I'm not. <laughs> those, those are my words. Um... No, I'm just, I'm very curious because it feels like everyone has a much shorter attention span. And if it's like, oh my God, eight minute YouTube video, fuck you, I'm not going to watch this. You yeah, or I mean? like that little circle that's loading the video. People are like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, two seconds. okay, so, but, so I can see the utility of like flow therapy being a kind of a shortcut. And, and that definitely does help people in the long run because, you know, obviously they become more, you know, self-aware. More waves. Yeah, more theta waves. Like it's it's good for your brain. That? What is what is a I, theta wave, and what is the effect on the brain, and what is the effect on the body? I can't. It's, I don't know. I don't know enough about <laughs> about that. I, that's just what something I read in a paper. But that's so interesting because if that's like a a chemical response that happens over years of identifying with the self and like using the consciousness in a way, that's that's literal physical. That's a that's a bridge between this metaphysical truth that we're talking about of consciousness and the physical realm of truth. Almost. It's... Okay, so they, look, the waves themselves are, are just electrical signals that you can pick up on like the cranium of the rat or person or whatever, right? Yeah. I'm not 100% sure if I'm right on this. It's been a while since I've done neuroscience. <laughs> this is... But, it's, I'm, I shouldn't say this, but like I work with EEGs. <laughs> so I should know more about this. You should know this. You literally... Got uh, that's like my job. No, but theta waves are... <laughs> Like, correlated with sleep, right? Yes. Yeah. So, because I remember there's definitely been times when... Yeah, so you have delta and theta waves when you're sleeping. Um, Which is interesting because that's when dreams happen. Um, when you're in REM sleep. So, it, mm-hmm. REM is 
Yeah, you yeah. know the levels two, two, three, when, four, whatever. That's yeah. when you when you dream and when you have your most vivid dreams and stuff. Um, so do you feel and and it sounds like you said you were conscious when you're but yeah, so that's the difference. Mm-hmm. So like when you're in the state, you're aware of it, which is super cool. Have you um? So some people, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. But no, is have you ever been hypnotized? Because I have never been hypnotized, but I think that would be a really cool. It sounds experience. similar, right? Um, also sounds like lucid dreaming. I've also had a lucid dream before, and they are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know like, a few people who would disagree with that. <laughs> um, well, yeah, they can be super scary experiences. Yeah. But, um, anyways, I, uh, so in the float tank, some, some people have, like, visual hallucinations, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is normal. It can, it can happen because, like we were talking about earlier, this is normally, like, a sleep state that you would be in so um recently this this one guy came out of his tank and we have this thing where we're like okay so how do you feel like we don't ask them how their float was we, we ask them how they're feeling and most of the time people are like oh I feel so great I feel relaxed some people are like I don't even know how I feel right now like because they're at this like s- such a like neutral state um but this one guy came out and he goes yeah I feel great I was like at one point, I, I started seeing a lot of colors, and I was like, what? That's so cool. <laughs> like I'm, like, nerding out. He's like, yeah, I have synesthesia. Yes. And I've had it for my whole life. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, you're an amazing person. <laughs> Can you tell me more about this? And he was like, um, basically, when I hear sounds, I see colors. And... He said, like, it, it only really happens when they're pure sounds or, like, when I'm, like, really into the sound. So, like, he mentioned this one band that he, he listens to and he was like, whenever I listen to their music, I see, like, blue and pink and stuff. And then he mentioned, like, Muse. He listens to, to a couple of Muse songs and he sees colors. And I thought that was so cool. But, yeah, so some people hallucinate when, when they're in there. Um, yeah, something like they don't necessarily have to be like synthetic or anything. Like no, 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 they yeah. don't have to necessarily. Like you can, there's a possibility that you can get, but it's. I think you will. You have a pretty active imagination. Oh yeah, I'm. That's why I'm very excited. <laughs> you already said like no, do do the ninety minutes. Don't do the sixty minutes. Like, really? Yeah, put, like, and some people do doubles and triples, so they're in there for. Put like, me back like, in. Five hours. <laughs> it up. Yeah. Yeah. Turn it up. Oh, that's me. <sighs> um, Full chaos. <laughs> mode. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but that's interesting because um, I don't remember if the last time we talked, if I had mentioned I'm getting into like dream analysis and that kind of stuff. No, that's awesome. Okay, because like... I'm jealous. No, but like, you know Wait, how... how? I, I just started reading Young instead of Freud because you know, like, we kind oh, of brush over like Young. with your career. Oh, no, 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 no. Not with my career. Just Oh, just like your interest. Okay. Yeah, because like I've had recurring nightmares before and they don't resolve themselves until I make like some kind of substantial change in my life. And then I'm like, oh, okay, That's yeah, cool that, that you, makes sense. That you've realized that. Oh, yeah. That's a big step into... Yeah. Except there's still some, like, weird stuff floating around that I'm like, that's a really important detail, and I don't know what that is, and it's like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't have those recurring nightmares anymore, so it's... I'm all loosey-goosey. What do you mean things floating around? Like, in your while you're sleeping or when you're awake at night? Like, when I'm sleeping. Like, like there'll be a crazy detail where it's just, like, I'll understand everything inside the story except for, like, the a weird-looking lamp. And I'll be like, it's important that I notice that, but I don't know why that lamp is so weird. What is it representative of? I don't understand. Or it'll just be, like, weird stuff. Like, um... 
Some undecoded subconscious. Yeah, but yeah. it's hard to truly decode all of your <laughs> yeah. subconscious. Yeah. It might be just some like gobbledygook that I just saw during the day. Maybe I yeah. just passed the chilies and then like I see the pepper in my dream <laughs> or something. You know, it's yeah. Well, they say sponsor me. It's also a way of processing information from the day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah without definitely. a doubt. And they say you can't like create um, faces in your dreams. Like you have to at least um, have seen, have have seen, seen before. Yeah. Yeah. in your life. Yeah, if not that too. person, but like. Um, some stranger you passed on the street, you've had to have seen it. Yeah, or like you can you can kind of like mix fe- features in a person. Mm-hmm. So like if you've seen somebody's eyes and they were like really striking to you, you can put that on an image or something like. Or, I don't know. You know yeah, I mean? it's yeah. it's difficult to it's like because think about the complexity of that to like auto generate something completely random that you've never seen before. It's you're gonna borrow bits and pieces because your brain just has to simplify the world down to like oh this is like. Gianna's eyes on like Stefan's face. You dreaming about my eyes? What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> but okay, so I'm, I got detracted. Um, what I was trying to say was that in in Jung's book, he had mentioned that like we we often see dreams as like the unconscious suddenly rising up and taking over because our consciousness is asleep. But it's more accurate that he he thought that we were always dreaming. And that when you're conscious, it negates it, and you're unaware of it, which is what, by definition, makes it unconscious. Oh, that's cool. So it's kind of like when you're in the tank, it's like your consciousness can kind of take a back seat, and all the weird stuff you see is, it's, it sounds synonymous to dreams and the subconscious, like communicating with... Yeah, I don't want you to have so many expectations going No, 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 I won't, though. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much excited to just see, because you, you've definitely explained that it was difficult to get settled yeah and i mean that's something i want to get better at because whether i'm in the tank or whether i'm yeah but just like anything it comes with with practice yeah don't 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 have too many expectations because it's i don't know i guess that's kind of just a life lesson though you can't really have your story written and just be like i'm gonna follow this story and make zero change story of my life oh yike (laughs) it's a moment of chaos man (laughs) okay so What's interesting to me is that you gravitate towards Sam Harris because he <laughs> I is don't gravitate very towards him. <laughs> biologically based. My brother had mentioned uh, his podcast. He's, yeah, he's brilliant. He's, he's so smart and um, he's into meditation. He's like a, he's into neuroscience and like all this stuff. And he brings up really good points and I'm, I, yeah. I find him interesting to listen to. Okay, so then... And this is the conversation that we ended with last time. But do you think that truth is grounded in the objective world, or do you think it's Here we go. subjective? Because... Do I think truth... Can you repeat that question? What do you think truth is nested in, grounded in? Or, or even how would you define truth? Oh. Come on, man. That's a really hard question. <laughs> I know, question but like answer. we were kind of talking okay, about so it. Okay, so we were talking about this. I said that truth is relative. Uh-huh. And I, I say that because for each person, or I, I like don't even know how to even start this, but I'll give an example. So our memories are like very unreliable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's been known. We like we 
can fabricate things. We can think something has happened to us in the past when really it hasn't. Or we can remember this event and, and really 100% believe that this thing happened when it really it didn't. Or you can remember, oh, she was wearing a yellow dress and I vividly remember that yellow dress, but really she was wearing a blue dress or something like that. It could be as little as that. It could be as big as like a whole event that you're, you're making up that you think that happened. And if you're telling this to somebody, you are, you are tr 100% believing that this is a true story. That is your truth. And that's why I say it's relative, because something that's true to one person might not be true to another person. So say like those, both of those people were that, at that same event, and one person was like, she was wearing a yellow dress, and that, that same, that other person was like, nope, that was definitely a blue dress. To both of them, that's a true statement. But to the person that they're telling it to, it's a different statement, right? Mm -hmm. There are two different statements. But both of those people think that it's true. So I, <laughs> so I yeah. think that in that respect, truth is relative. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be as simple as that. It can be like a lot more complex. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, because eventually you get into the, the territory of whose truth is the greater truth and gets held accountable because of their two conflicting truths. Sure. Then like from a shall we say legal standpoint oftentimes one must be true and the other must be false um which is hard right and then you can get into that whole question of religion whereas one religion believes you know um if you if you look at catholicism um god is that ultimate power that that highest power but then you look at another religion and they believe something different, but their belief is their truth, right? Mm -hmm. But there, there's two different sides and like people are saying different things and what one person is saying is true, the other person saying something else is true. And your truth is not true. <laughs> I think it's very important to encounter others' truths and have them grapple with our own. I think that's really beautiful and one of the like things I strive for most of my life is to test my idea constantly be like testing and stretching my idea of like what is familiar and what is true yeah I just did air quotes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but I mean some people think that there are universal truths as well which are true to everyone right yeah um but you know, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if that's true. Like, what would you say is a universal truth? Life is hard. Yeah. Life throws things at you that are but, unexpected. But that statement is super subjective. Uh, find me someone who says life is easy. Well, I, like, in so the moment, can, yeah, life so, can be easy. Yeah. But so, so, overall, something's going to give. Yeah, like suffering and pain and tragedy are... Death and taxes, right? There, like, yeah. there are some things that are death, For right? sure. War. Like, I'm, hopefully death, there's an end. Death, yeah, but, but like, yeah, like, a good end. Yeah. Like, death is not always a bad thing for people. Some people celebrate No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Death. I'm saying it's... Exactly. No, but I'm it's saying truth. it's finite. Yeah. It's truth. Oh, but some people don't think that that's, that's finite. Some people don't believe in death. 
some people don't think that they're going to die, that death is a sure, thing. Sure, exactly. But so how can that be universal? Um, if there are people that don't believe it. Well, I guess... Okay, death as in... It depends on what we're defining as death. A, a moral decomposition of the physical form. And that... Sure, science and, will say that that's true. Yeah. That that's going to happen. Um, but there are people that still... You believe know, that the soul passes on after death. No, even Or that even the body the, is the reincarnated into the... of death. And them not believing in that, you know, that's their truth, right? Yeah. No, I, I understand. In, yeah. Yes. Do you think there's you such a thing as... you call it crazy as, because you can... I'm not calling it crazy. No, 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 but, but <laughs> I, know, I know you're not calling it crazy, but you can say, well, that you're wrong, right? You're wrong because this is actually happening. I'm not saying you're saying that personally. <laughs> I'm saying, like, like... In general, a person can say, well, you're wrong. Like, this is actually happening. Don't you see that this is happening right now? Death is happening around you. Um, this body is decomposing in front of you. This person just died. But if that other person says, no, you can't convince me that, that this is true. Because they just, like, don't believe it. And that's not their truth. So my question for you would be, do you think that people... that could should always continue on believing their truth or try to test their idea of truth with the world with the with the greater world at large which will throw new things at you that there will always be things on the margin of your understanding that you that your current mode of thinking can't quite categorize because it's new it's unknown because the universe is full of you know, impossible impossibility of, of potential. And I think, I guess my question would be, do you think it's better to continue on believing what you currently understand and making the unknown fit what you know or stretching your possibility for the known? That was a very loaded question. Personally, um, <laughs> yeah. I would want to understand more I, I I think personally I'm a very open person and I'm not judgment I'm not a very judgmental person um, thank god we wouldn't be friends I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um so I'm very open to other people's ideas and their opinions and what they believe is true and I think that it's interesting um so personally I would I would want to understand more of where they're coming from and why they believe in certain things and, and what they see as true. But I can't say that for everybody else. I can't say that another person's going to, you know, want to open up their mind to other truths. I think that's absolutely true. I think. But I do think it's a good thing. But, right. But I do think it's a good thing. Was that your question? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think. It's, okay. it, this is very abstract things that we're trying to, like, say. And we're, <laughs> yeah. Um, it almost sounds like we're, we're pitching truth as just subjective experience. Yes, but I, but I do think that there's a difference between truth and fact. Ooh. Um, what is fact? How, how, would you, how do you distinguish the two? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, 
know, because I guess facts are man-made, right? Man-interpreted. But that's the same as truth. Yeah. I mean... But that's not saying that all truth is fact. Right? Yeah. Or all facts are true. Or are all facts true? It's, I mean, this is going to become like a definition <laughs> game, right? This is becoming absurdism. This is becoming like Samuel Yeah, but Beckett. I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know. I don't know what the difference is, but I, I, I believe that there is a difference between truth and fact. Okay. Um, I mean... And one might be the other, but I don't know. That, that kind of gets hard, and I know I brought that subject up, but that, <laughs> that gets hard to talk about. No, but that's Because I don't fully understand it. <laughs> no, but that's good, because yeah, like you, you definitely feel it, and you believe it to be true, even if you can't explain it right it's my truth yeah <laughs> no that's that's everyone's truth i think there's if you ask enough questions like if you keep asking yourself why 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 you eventually get to something that you're like mm, shit i don't know <laughs> yeah uh, it's cool to think right? about though no but that's good that's that's literally like self-awareness and like being able to like push out in your bubble and find out where all the corners and edges are of your perspective and what you see how I how it sounds like we're using the definition of truth is kind of like a vehicle that you follow to have a good life, right? Like you even said that when you you're open-minded and you very much are willing to accept other people's truths because I think correct me if I'm wrong, you acknowledge you could be wrong. Yeah. Right? And maybe someone oh, else's subjective truth is is <laughs> A better way of living. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Um, that's not saying that the way that I'm living right now is not, not good. Not no, no, no. Good. But I think acceptance is a huge topic that people need to understand. Accepting where you are and what your thoughts are is very important in life. And if you can't accept it, if you can't fight... Uh, or if you do fight it and, and you can't accept like who you are as a person and what you do, then it's like it's kind of hard to live in this world. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is a huge internal struggle that people deal with every day. And it's just like you, you just you have to just be OK with where you are and you have to be OK that things are, are going to be changing in in. This is kind of getting into into a whole new topic. No, no, go for um, <laughs> but, like, you have to understand that, like, life is always changing. And if you fight that change, and you um, kind of, like, fight where your place is in life and where you're at, then things are just not going to... They're just not going to work <laughs> yeah no 100% agree right life <laughs> yeah. is hard life life is it's, yeah I mean it's not just saying it's not just like life is hard no I, like, I don't mean to diminish it I'm just saying that that's like the probably the most bare statement that I think pretty much everyone can agree that there's adversity in life you can't exist in life as yes. like a true neutral yes non-participating non-feeling entity you'll run into something that is outside of your capacity for yeah. like what is like what is normal what is known what is easy what is right like what is mm-hmm. um 
accepted and and so I think at least being aware or like noticing the things that you're doing in your daily life and being able to uh, uh, incorporate the useful parts and like I don't know I guess not everyone in, I think I think the difference that I've been kind of encountering recently is I think it's very important for me to like recognize things that aren't working for myself and try to move towards the leave those behind and move towards the things that are a more positive version of myself whereas I know a lot of people um, uh, are encouraging the idea of total self-acceptance and like giving yourself whatever you need in the moment yeah but you're accepting the fact that you need to drop those yes. things behind so you're accepting I that and you're accepting the fact that you have to move forward yes and try new a, things yeah but there are like potential versions of selves sure and to like aim for the one that is you know the most uh whatever you think might be the most healthy like successful uh fully enveloped fully incarnate fully like present and uh uh uh, fully uh, full potential version of yourself yeah to aim to that and like there's there's another direction to aim Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like, I don't <laughs> want it to get confused. Like what I said earlier when I said, like, just accept where you are. I don't want it to seem like I'm saying, okay, well you're, you are where you are. So you're just going to have to accept it and stop trying. Like, I don't want it yeah. to seem yeah. like that. Yeah. I understood that. I understood that. But yeah. it's, um, it's important you make that clarification. Cause I yeah. definitely, people um, definitely do misinterpret. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you just want to like, kind of like be okay with things that you that you're noticing that you have to let go and say okay this is where I'm at right now this is where I want to go and I'm going to accept that process I'm going to I'm going to accept that journey to get there yeah voluntarily right? yeah right yes yeah <laughs> that's been our like main mission statement of the year <laughs> take the journey it's yeah. all about the journey it's the journey inward so you can it's, it's, take the journey outward yeah yeah but I think that's um journey within, journey without. That's a very good distinction that you should aim for what you could be more than what you are right now, right? Because like you said, the world changes, and unless you can continuously go through that, let's say death and rebirth, you're not really gonna fit in, and it's. Like no one You're can. just making it hard for yourself. Yeah, the world is just way too complex and dynamic for you to not... <sighs> and like, no, not like... This is just, just to tie it in, just a tidbit, but like... What kind of neuroscience did you like gravitate towards? Because I loved cognitive, and computational was my nightmare. I cannot handle that at <laughs> That's all. That's funny. No, why is that funny? <laughs> um, it's funny because um, when I first started neuroscience... Um, I was just super interested in the introductory class and I was like, whoa, all this stuff is so cool because, you know, you can relate to it because it's like everybody has a brain. You don't know that. Well, you're right. What if I don't believe I have brains? You're right. That's my truth. (laughs) Um, But, and then I I started kind of um, gravitating towards computational because I was like, ooh, number is (laughs) cool. I was like, computers, AI, whoa. Um, But then... I read that book on phantom pregnancy. It wasn't on phantom pregnancy, but but yeah, the, the on, chapter. Yeah. Um, and I got into meditation, and then I took a uh, intro to 
Eastern religion course my senior year because I needed to be full-time and I only like um, I I only needed like two classes to graduate but I didn't want to be a part-time student because I wanted all the benefits of a Mm full-time student so I took extra classes that I didn't need to take so I took an Eastern religion class and we learned about like Buddhism and Hinduism and um, you know Taoism and all that stuff and um, yeah I mean uh, one of the TAs in the class was like why why are you taking this course and she was asking all the kids in the class and they were like oh I'm just fulfilling my humanities requirement and then she came to me and I was like oh I'm actually really interested in meditation and where it came from and uh, its effects on the brain and she goes whoa that's really cool like, I love that cool. <laughs> um and that's when I really started to to understand its origins and why people started to meditate and um, the different reasons why people do it, mm-hmm. which I found out to be really cool. Can you give us some examples? I, I don't know any, like, reasons for... Yeah, so... Historically accurate reasons for meditation. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear the story of Buddha? <laughs> I can I can give you like a very um, spark notes. Yeah, go for it. I, I can try to at least. Um, so there was this like really rich king, and he had a son, and he wanted his son to have everything in the world. Like he would give him all the riches, everything that he wanted, but he didn't want his son to see the world outside of their castle because he knew that it was filled with. Uh, poverty and sick people and he was like I don't want my son to be exposed to that the world is hard yeah, yeah. it's hard and so the the king basically um, built walls around his castle he he never let his son out but he gave his son everything that he wanted because he thought that was the best for his son and the son eventually grew up and he was like he, he wasn't fulfilled he had everything that he could have asked for, everything that he could have wanted, and he just wasn't fulfilled. And he asked one of his guards or whatever to take him out, to sneak him out of the castle grounds. And uh, he, he, he went out for a night, and he saw sickness. He saw poverty. He saw, like, everything that he, everything in the world that he was not exposed to. And he decided to leave the castle and live out in the world. And for years, he was living on the street. He was, uh, he had, he was starving. He was sick. He almost died. And he still didn't feel fulfilled. He was like, this isn't what I want either. And so he sat down, like the story goes that he sat down underneath a tree for 40 days and thought about it. And he came to the conclusion that all life is suffering and everything in life is always changing and impermanent. And coming to that conclusion and accepting that fact and kind of um, just believing in that and I, I don't really, like, know 
I don't know, but like, but but knowing that, he came to that conclusion, and and that's kind of like how uh, Buddhism started, um, and that is kind of how meditation started, is he meditated underneath that tree for forty days, and he came to the conclusion that this is what it is, and like everything that we have, everything that's material in this world is just always changing, and there's really like no need for it mm. because you know that's it's just ever fleeting that's a that's a deep principle yeah the, and the, that's like the, the, the mortality the, of things sure yeah death and taxes <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a really like that that's a archetypical journey yeah. yeah that's like and also there's something about that like there's something of significance about that 40 days because that is yeah that, like that understanding of knowledge that it took 40 days to achieve is present in so many different religions like isn't yeah. um like when um, jesus went into the desert for yep 40 days, well, 40 days were nice. yeah exactly that comes up over and over again um i think the israelites wandered the desert for 40, 40 days as well i thought it was 40 or maybe it was 40 years years oh, sounds I mean, more accurate reciting my torah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm not that knowledgeable um it's interesting the number 40 because I don't know how true this is but when I took AP Psych back way back when in high school and you know how like baby that is um, my teacher said that like to to get over like the um, like the get over like a high school boyfriend girlfriend whatever would pay, be like a month and a half which is about 40 days so I think there's I don't know it, it feels like to me that 40 kind of seems like a magic number when like that's the minimum threshold for significance, significant psychological change or transformation. Yeah, it could be. They do say that it does take sixty six days to like. Form, How dare you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> to form a habit. Um, so I don't. I don't know about the number forty. Um, but when I read that story, I I was confused because I was like, "How could?" A religion or way of thinking be based on suffering. Oh, every religion like, is based on suffering. No, yeah. I, I know. I, I guess I shouldn't phrase it that way, but it's like... I think it's right. <laughs> no, because I think some religions are like, um, this is the answer to all of your questions, you know? Um, but in a really abstract way. Yeah, it's really yeah, I guess difficult. It, I guess it depends on the interpretation. There are some who would say, this yeah. is a factual answer because it's because it's written here. And there are some who would say, well, it's a symbol that meant something to these people and it means something different because of it's the way they thought. Yeah. They thought in images or, or, or they thought in... Really low resolution ideas. Yeah. Okay, so, but I guess my confusion was like, suffering is... The way of life is the way to fulfill your life. No, I don't think that's right, and I think that's in the story, because he leaves. But hang on, so I was confused by this. Okay. And then I read a book on Kriya Yoga, and they explained. Wait, I'm sorry. What is it? Kriya Yoga. How do you spell that? K R. E Y A. I Y A. I Y A. Whatever. Google it, folks. Kriya Yoga. <laughs> um, and. They explained there was like yeah. one there's like the smallest chapter of the book and they explained that if we didn't have suffering in the world, 
if everything was peachy, we wouldn't strive for anything more. Absolutely. You yeah. need adversity. That's, that's what we were talking right. about. You need to like, have to face something to learn something. Right. And accepting that life is suffering and that everything is changing helps you progress in life and get to that final stage which some people call nirvana some people call heaven some people you know integrated yeah it's it's very similar i think it's like i never really thought of it like that before but like this is so josh and i have been getting so into like the concept of a story what makes a good story what makes a good journey Mm -hmm. and and it's like the theme of narrative. Yeah, of anxiety, stress, <laughs> fear, anger. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, you need but you need that. Well, if you don't for, have that, you're never gonna okay. learn. You're never gonna move forward. And you and and accepting that fact gets you there. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I agree with the accepting. I agree that it has to be voluntary because uh, I don't this is You don't think you need anxiety and fear? No no no. I will I will explain it. it, it okay. Uh, there's, there's two things going on right now. Really quick. I don't think that, oh, because I'm suffering, because I'm anxious and because I'm depressed, somehow my life is going to somehow like fix itself. Yeah. Right. Because there is such thing as meaningless suffering. And I think that's what like Buddha discovered when he went out and he was starving and sick and he's like, geez, I'm living the other side of like, I'm spiraling, right? I'm going down to like depths of hell and there's still no like meaning here and there's nothing like carrying my life. And it wasn't until he meditated, self-actualized and was able to transform himself in a way that obviously helped countless people, right? And it's not until like he was able to, like you said, Josh, orient himself towards his fullest potential, towards that like, that, 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 uh, like wishing upon a star, that highest ideal that he was able to get a meaningful life. So I think meaning, like there's a very big difference between meaning Meaningless suffering, which is just like, whoa, uh, you get cancer or your mom gets hit by a truck or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's just... Ooh. I know what you mean, but you only understand that it's meaningless after. Like, you can't tell that it's meaningless suffering in the moment. Because suffering in that moment is it's there and it's you're suffering for a reason can i would say um talking about this idea of subjective truth i would say that there are definitely people and i've experienced this where it feels like the suffering that you're experiencing is is just coming out of left field and chaos and like how am i supposed to draw anything away from this but then ultimately like i think that idea of having the goal having like the direction is what, I mean, this is, um, finding a, finding a reason, choosing to identify a reason for life suffering, finding a goal, finding a meaning, having an aim is that like life is this series of like terrible things that are going to happen and trying to move past them. That's where that helps. But I would say that I think it is possible to feel like suffering is I don't, I, I don't think meaningless, I wouldn't take meaningless to mean less than, less than, I would say it, it, it seems uncalled for almost, like uncorrelated. But I think that every feeling that we have has a meaning to it. I, I, I don't, I don't think I agree with, with meaningless suffering. I think that all suffering has a meaning to it and that you learn 
something from every moment that you suffer. I agree. Okay, yeah. I think well, you can learn. Yeah, something. you can. I think it's a mentality. Yeah. And it's I agree. Definitely um, a very healthy mentality. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think that there is meaningless suffering. I think. It might seem meaningless, like it might seem like, like why the fuck am I worrying about this right now? You know, this is pointless. This isn't helping me in any way, and that might seem like it in the moment. And then later on, you might say, I only came to this conclusion right now because of that time that I felt that anxiety about th- that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's one of the miracles of consciousness is that we can... And that's what progress is. And yeah. that's why we have suffering. Sure. For sure. Um, I also think it's very interesting that... And this is just something that, like came to light to me very recently because you know, I'm just reading a bunch of weird stuff and watching a bunch of weird stuff but weird stuff. <laughs> um, is that the we've been talking a lot about aiming towards that potential right and and basically like absorbing the world good and bad and then through a series of like you know birth and uh, death and rebirth being able to transform ourselves to grow closer towards that aim Nirvana right yeah one of the Air quotes. yeah <laughs> thanks <laughs> one of the original definitions of true is to hit the mark or truth is to hit the mark and, and that's what language in, is that english it's indicative oh, in oh strike true yeah exactly it, the arrow strikes true means it hits the mark and interestingly enough in religion to sin means to miss the mark but that's still subjective hitting the mark is subjective yeah it's subjective but i'm saying that it's interesting that we've been talking More about relative. like, yeah, it, it's it's rooted in that okay, idea. Okay, so we're not okay. We're not disagreeing. I'm just saying it's interesting because the idea of truth oh, is yeah. actually a lot more sure. vague than we yeah. we think. It encompasses a lot. Oh, definitely. And I think yeah. that's why we treat the word truth and we treat the word fact as different things. Because it, at least this is how I interpret. Like, fact sounds sciency, like stuff that we can all agree on objectively. If we, if I mix this chemical with this chemical, boom, I get this. But true is more subjective. A result you can record. Yeah. Right? That's what I think of. Can it's record like, and, and like in any science, like repeat. numerical value, but I mean, yeah. But I think truth is is a lot better than fact. Because I don't think facts can necessarily tell you how to live a true life. If that makes sense. Which is where I disagree with Sam Harris. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think you can get meaning from a series of infinite facts. Because Does he, he say that? Yes. He, he supposes that... If you understand a certain scenario completely and you have all the infinite facts, you'll know what to do. That brings up an interesting point. Um, Another chapter in the Phantoms of the Brain book talks about a word called, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's it's called qualia. Q-U-A-L-I-A. And I, I think this has something to do with what you were talking about. But... Basically, if there was an alien that had no idea about our planet and came to our planet and we tried to teach it love and we gave all the facts about love, Whoa. We, we, we basically defined love for that alien and we were like, this is, this is all you need to know about love. These are all the facts. 
we basically like hooked up the internet to this alien <laughs> and was like, hey, Here this is. is all you need to know about love. But he couldn't feel it. He couldn't experience love for himself. All he knew was the facts about love and everything about love. I... But he didn't experience it for himself. Um, and so therefore he, he does, he did, he couldn't know love. Right? Yeah. No, I think. That's what quality is. It's your, (laughs) it's, it's basically like your experience. Yes. Okay. That's, that's exactly what I was. Yes. I was waiting for the, yeah, because it's, it's, I think that's the distinction between why people want, you ideally want to be surrounded by people who are empathetic, not sympathetic. Because if you're empathetic, they feel the same things you feel. And there's like that human element of like, you get me. Versus sympathetic is like, here's all the facts. Here's the definition of love. I can recite to you like all the sonnets and stuff that Shakespeare ever wrote. But it's not, it's not the same. It's not rooted in the, the like human response to it, right? Like the, I guess, primal, it's the body bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And feeling, that's actually... feeling is feeling, right? Feeling is like touch. But it's, your, is also, but it's your feeling. Yeah. And you can't describe that to somebody else because they don't... You can you describe can it. Okay, you can and describe it. An active imagination that. will go to experiences that, that I've had. But they will never know. They will never know what you Truly felt. know what you felt. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I will never know what color, you can how say, you see blue. Exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say that. You can say, that painting looks... Gr- that painting is green to me, okay? That painting is haunted. Okay, don't tell me that. <laughs> um, but like, you can't say, "Oh, you can't, you can't experience that green that I'm experiencing." Uh, there's been a few papers that say that we experience green the same way, but I don't know how they prove it. I no, like I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I just think it's, yeah, it's a really you just you I I can't I can I can explain it in a way that. Okay, it's green, and you're the same neuron in my brain might be lighting up in your brain saying, "Okay, yeah, that's green, that's your green neuron," you know. Yeah. But there is no way for you to experience that color that I'm seeing. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing. Mind. That's kind of the thing that turned me off of neuroscience, is that I was always looking for. For that connection with the abstract subconscious, and we'd have nothing to go on except for like, oh, it shares similar theta waves, and that's all the best we know. And the electrical, <laughs> this part lights up, and this part lights up. So I guess it's kind of, but it's still very like, I don't know. I, it, yes, but also like it's very. But also, yeah, no. it's not not even close to like the complexity of like human experience. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's seen a lot in the arts in that like yes. different people will draw very different things away from the same painting and that just because you are seeing the same colors in the same physical format your experience and where you meet the painting or where you meet i mean this applies to everything but i I think a painting is really a metaphor uh, affects your what it is what it means and like how it affects your life and i like to kind of bring this full circle (laughs) When you asked me what I wanted to do, I want to make people feel good about themselves and, and release that full potential so that they can have these experiences and have these experiences affect them in a, the best maximal way possible. But that's something that's very personal and that's something that differs from each person. 
and yeah and I and, and that's our own truth <laughs> in a way